Thank you for listening to A Call to Freedom, the audio podcast of Freedom Ministries Church located in Apopka, Florida. I'm Pastor Freddie Fillmore Sr., and I want to welcome you to our church. You can watch our broadcast online every Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can also join us for Shabbat prayer every Tuesday at 7 p.m. and Bible study at 7 p.m. on Thursday. For more information on how to watch or to submit a prayer request, please visit our website, acalltofreedom.com, or visit us on social media. The information is also listed in the show notes to this podcast. It is my desire that the message this week blesses challenges and encourage you in your walk of faith. Thank you again for joining us and I pray you enjoy the word. Good afternoon. My name is Pastor Gurley and I'd like to welcome you to Freedom Ministries Church where Pastor Freddie Fillmore is the senior pastor. You are invited to join us now as we talk today about a diabolical exchange. Before we do that, let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, this privilege always to be in your presence, to stand in this sacred place, Lord, to speak to your people that you love and you care for and that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross for, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to us, direct us, enlighten us, inspire us by your word. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. I would ask now if you would join me in this conversation, this discussion, uh, that I have titled uh, The Diabolical Exchange. The scriptural basis, the text that we'll be looking at is Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we'll be referencing different parts of that. We'll read a narrow portion of that. We'll also reference Genesis chapter 1, verses 26-29, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1-24. through 24. Now this, of course, is the discussion of the story of the formation, the creation of Adam and Eve, how their life starts out at the beginning of uh, chapter 1 when they are formed in verse 26 and 29, and how they end up chapter 3, verse 29. And again, what we're talking about is a diabolical exchange. Now, when I use the word diabolical, the root word there is diabolos. Diabolos is the Greek term for the devil. So when I'm talking about diabolical, I'm making reference to the devil. And what I want to tell you up front, and what we're going to see in the text today, is the devil is always seeking to do some type of an exchange with us because he's involved. This is why we refer to it as the diabolical exchange. And I want to suggest to you up front that whenever you are involved in a transaction with the devil, it's not a good thing for you. 
But before I read uh, in chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, let me set it up further. Now, God has formed Adam first, right? He created him. He placed him in the garden to keep the garden, to dress it. Then he, upon further um, thought and reflection, perhaps it always was his thought, but he says it is not good for man to be alone. So then he puts Adam in a deep sleep and he takes a rib from his side and he creates woman and, and, and Adam uh, names her Eve. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So they're in the midst of paradise. They have every single thing, every single thing that they would ever need. And life is good and life is wonderful. And God has particularly given them an overabundance of food. Why, why is food important? Because without food, we don't live. I mean, that's just a basic human need that we have to eat food. So God gave them an endless supply of food. But what he said to them is that there's one tree, one tree that you cannot eat up. Because in the day that you do that, you will surely die. And they were good with that. And, and, and that was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, what's significant, and we'll, we'll look at this even more so as we go forward into this conversation, is that there was one tree, one amazing tree that was in the midst of the garden, and that was the tree of life. What's important to note out of the box up front is that God did not prohibit them. He did not tell them that they could not eat of that tree. If they had taken advantage of what was clearly available to them in that instant, they would literally still be here. Literally still be here. So that's significant. Because they have everything that they need. They have God's blessings and God's favor, God's protection. And that's where we begin to read. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I've often taught this text, and, and what I will say to you, this is just a, a strategy of the devil. He engages in taking something that is a settled matter and transforming it into an open conversation. Grammatically, he takes a period, which uh, indicates the end of the thought, and he turns it into a question mark. The devil is always trying to unsettle established truths, established facts, established realities. He's always trying to tell us that there's a, an additional bit of information that we don't have, that there's a higher knowledge out there. He starts it out with a question. And Eve is not really picking up because, of course, Satan is subtle. He's cunning. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, 
nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. And, and if you could put that in, in, in our terminology, in our thought process, how we might articulate that. Come on, man, you're not going to die. You really think you're going to die? You really think that there are consequences to sin, to disobeying God? There are no consequences. Now, this is where uh, the term diabolos or diabolical come in, because the second part of his statement is where he begins to walk in his name. He begins to demonstrate why he is called diabolos. And by the way, if you look up the word Diablos in the Greek, it means the accuser, the slanderer. He says, for God knows that in the day you eat of, eat of, eat of it, your eyes will be open and ye will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, to be perfectly clear and honest, Part of what the devil said at that point was accurate. But his total uh, message between verses four and five was that God somehow was holding out on you. God was trying to keep you down. The purpose of religion, the purpose of going to church is to suppress you, to take from you. This is what Satan was Communicating to Eve, it was a lie. He was lying on God. He was slandering God's. He was wrongly calling into question God's intent and his purpose for humanity. And it was very effective. If you want the good stuff, you got you to gotta, you come over here. I know the Bible says this, but listen, the Bible ain't the only authority I know the pastor said this, but the pastor don't know everything. I'm telling you, I've got this special insight. So this is the approach of the enemy. Going on to verse six. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. By the way, people say, well, man, I've heard people preach on this. Well, where was Adam? Why did Adam uh, leave his wife so that the devil could get to? Well, no, if you read the passage very carefully, Adam was with her. OK, so even though the enemy was addressing uh, Eve, Adam was with her. And that's very important. And he did eat. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And God, uh, from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, then the Lord God called to Adam and said unto him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? 
And this, this is the last verse that I'm going to stop on because I think it's significant. And we'll deal with this further. Then the man said, the woman you gave to, uh, to be, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the, of the tree and I ate. Now, here's the diabolical exchange. They start out and they have everything. And, and now, after the conversation, if you know the story, they end up and they're outside of the garden. Satan wants to engage us in a diabolical exchange. We always lose much more than we gain when we engage in the diabolical exchange. Now, what did Adam and Eve lose? Well, I thought I'd quantify nine things that, that I counted that they lost. Adam, first of all, was placed in the garden to be the keeper and the dresser of the garden. We know that from Genesis chapter 2 and 15. But he lost that job. We know he lost that job because he was kicked out of the garden. You can't do the job if you don't have access. Why is that important? His job was in one way that he, he could provide for his family in the sense that he was in the garden and there was food. But it also provided him purpose. There was a reason. That was the very reason, one of the reasons why he was on planet Earth to actually be the keeper and the dresser of the garden. When we engage in sin, what happens is our very purpose for being is distorted and somehow it, it may actually be taken from us. Adam lost his job. And with that, some degree of his understanding of his very purpose for being in existence. Another thing, if we look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 10, they hid themselves. When God came through the garden, his intent was to have fellowship with them. The implication is that that had been a regular practice, that God would come walking through the garden and they would have a conversation and they would have fellowship. But when they sinned, when they took the bait, what happened is that they lost fellowship with God. They lost fellowship and they lost favor. Another thing that happened, and we've been alluding to this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, they were kicked out of the garden. They lost their home. They lost their place their posh existence in paradise. They lost that. Genesis 1 and 29, Genesis 2, 16, tells us that, that God had given them fruit from trees that they didn't plant. They had an endless supply of food that they didn't have to work for, they didn't have to till the ground for. It was already made for them. But when they got kicked out of the garden, guess what? They lost that too. The thing about food is that it's just basic to human existence. And I hope you can see a picture forming here, the things that they had, that they needed. They, because they listened to the voice of the serpent, because they listened to Diablos, who's the accuser, they lost these things. They lost dominion over the earth as well. God had given them dominion. We know that Genesis 1, 28. They had dominion over 
everything in the earth, and that includes the animals. Well, now today, not all animals are afraid of human beings. We know that, right? Roll up on a bear and see what happens. Roll up on a tiger and see what happens. Roll up on the wrong snake and see what happens. Or let's go to the other extreme. I thought about this. They were naked when they were first formed and created. And they slept not in a hut, not in a palace, probably right on the ground. And there were insects. Insects didn't bother them. Try it now. Go in your backyard and lay on the ground naked and see what happens. And that may seem like a small thing, but it's a huge thing because they lost dominion. There's another thing that happened to them, and that's recorded in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It said, they, didn't, they were naked, and the Bible says they were naked and unashamed. Another way of looking at that is that they were innocent. They were living a stress, worry-free life. Nothing on their minds, weighing them down, keep, keeping them up late at night. But when sin entered in, so did stress, so did worry, so did all the things that we would rather not have as human beings. They lost their innocence. And with that, they lost their peace of mind. Here's another thing that you, if, you, if you're not careful, uh, in verse 12, when God asked Adam, why did you do this? What did Adam say? The woman. And what's the significance? What's the importance of that? Is when sin enters in, it causes disagreement and disharmony between the people that we should be in close relationship with, people that we should be able to trust, the people that we should have their back and they should have our back. So on the heels of this sin, it caused disharmony between husband and wife. And we don't need a, a lesson for that. We don't need to research that. We know that sin causes problems between people that should love one another and care about one another. But lastly, most significantly, what did they lose? They lost their very lives. And that's Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. That's established. So what am I saying? Hopefully you can see it's clear. That sin offers us so much. The inducement, the enticement of sin offers us so much. But in the end, all it does is takes from us. It takes and it takes and it takes and it takes some more. That is what sin does. Now, since we're talking about an exchange, well, they gave up something. What did they get? I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, God says to, to Eve, I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow. So sorrow is what they got. Any time in your life, if you're sorrowful about anything, you can know that this thing that we experience as human beings called sorrow goes all the way back to this experience. It is what they got in exchange for what they had. 
They gave up paradise. They gave up peace of mind. And in exchange for that, they got sorrow. And then in terms of uh, what God said to Adam, he told him, look, you're going you know, gonna to have to struggle for bread. It, the, the ground is cursed because of you. you. You're going to deal with the thorns and the thistles and you're going to work by the sweat of your brow and you're going to have to struggle. And so that's another thing that comes from this. What did Adam get in exchange for what he gave up? Struggle. And whenever we are struggling in this life and we, we want to pause and reflect and think about what is this, the origin of human struggle, know that it comes from the fact that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that struggle is what happens when we walk and we live our lives contrary to what God has commanded. Now, let me quickly uh, go on to a... a, a Another point. How did the devil convince Adam and Eve to do the very thing that God clearly and unequivocally told them not to do? Well, he used uh, misdirection and he used a manufactured discontent. Let me explain what I mean by that. What is misdirection? Well, my eyes should be on all of the things that God said I can have, all of the things that God has already blessed me with, all of the things that He has lovingly and graciously provided for me, instead of my eyes being on those things, the enemy manages to direct me to the one thing that God said, don't touch. It's misdirection. Why am I saying that? So that we can join in the band of beating down Adam and Eve and saying, why did they do this? No, because the devil is the same devil. He's still using misdirection in the lives of every unsuspecting, every undiscerning or non-discerning Christian today. He's still Diablos. He's still the master of misdirection. And what is discontent? It's a sense of not being satisfied with one's current situation. Now, they were happy. They were happy until Satan uh, told them that they shouldn't be happy. Why is that important? Because you need to, to, to be very careful about who you let talk to you and what they whisper in your ear. Because if you allow the wrong person to whisper the wrong thing in your ear, it can upset your happy home. As we observed, they had everything. They had every single thing they needed and more. But because of that diabolical misdirection, at some point they became uh, not happy. At some point they got the idea that they needed more than what they actually had. People are still falling for the same trap, for the same scheme today. Men who... Uh, have beautiful wives and beautiful families, and they go through midlife crisis, they got to have more, and so they step out. Uh, the, um, the film producer, Tyler Perry, uh, produced a film called uh, Why Did I Get Married? And, and in that, they talk about the 80-20 rule. Man has 80% of what he wants and needs, but he goes out to get 
some young, beautiful vixen because he needs 20%. So he gives up 80 for the 20. Well, I would say that it's more like when you exchange in this diabolical uh, exchange, when, you, when you're involved with a transaction with the devil, it's not 80-20, it's 999 to 1. You give up 999 things to get, maybe, maybe, maybe you get one thing. Maybe you don't even get that. So let's talk about this further because I think it's important. We have to learn to distinguish between that which uh, complements our life, which means, and I'll give you the definition of complement because I think it's a very interesting. It means to mutually increase the good qualities of two things that are brought together. We need to be able to distinguish between that which complements our life and that which complicates our life. See, the devil is always offering us these uh, uh, fraudulent or uh, what's the word that I want to use? It's counterfeit. That's the word. Compliments. The Bible talks about the fact that when he comes, he's dressed up and he's transformed as though he is an angel of light. But in reality, he has no compliment. He has nothing good to offer you, nothing good to add to your life. The only thing that the devil always brings when he comes to you is complication. And I think that if you read this text, that Genesis chapter 3, very carefully, what you see is two major thoughts. That when we sin, when we, when we take the bait, when we engage in this diabolical exchange with Satan, number one, we lose so much. And so if we would reduce that to a statement, we can say that sin takes from us more than it gives. It takes. But if we could make a secondary statement, we would say that sin always complicates things. And the definition of complicate means to make confusing or to entangle. Oh, my God. How many of us are confused in our minds? How many of us have gotten ourselves entangled in some nonsense, some foolishness that we Wish to God we had never considered, never thought about, never taken the first step, and now we're trying to find our way out. Sin complicates our lives. It confuses us. It entangles us. Last thought that I'm coming to. Again, it's interesting what happened to Adam and Eve, but if it was strictly historical and it was not a repeating cycle, then I'd be wasting your time. But my suspicion and my caution to you is that it is happening every day, that the enemy is trying to do it right now in your life and in my life. He's trying to divert us. He's trying to create in us and manufacture in us a, a sense of discontent that we are not happy. And by the way, he's trying to creating us a lack of appreciation for what God has already given us. And, 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 and that word appreciation means to recognize the value, the quality, the importance, and the magnitude of a thing. 
Let me read that again. To recognize the value, the quality, the importance, or the magnitude of a thing. See, if Adam and Eve had recognized the quality of the things that God had already given them, the importance, the magnitude, particularly access to the tree of life. There is no way they would have exchanged that they would have thrown the opportunity to live forever away just for fruit that you've already been told is going to cause you to die. But if you don't appreciate what you already have, if you don't understand that you are already rich, and that's the thing that I'm really getting to, that you are already wealthy, that God has already provided for your every need because he is a faithful, loving God. If you don't believe that, then you are susceptible to the tricks, the schemes, and the shenanigans of the enemy. The way that this world works is that it's always trying to persuade us that we need more stuff. Commercials. You're at home and, and you got everything you need, but a commercial comes on and it's this magic, magical device, this gadget, and the first thing that enters into your mind, I need to get that. No, you don't need to get it. You don't need it. You have everything you need, but that is the way of the world. You've got to have more stuff. And the more stuff you have, by implication, the happier you will be, the uh, more fulfilled you would be. This is what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. If you get more stuff, if you get more things, if you don't understand and if you don't get the idea that you need to be happy, that you need to be satisfied, that you need to be thankful, that you need to appreciate what God has already done, then you will be susceptible to the deception that comes along the diabolical exchange. It's critical. It's critical. There are people on planet Earth that have a lot of stuff, a lot of things, a lot of money, a lot of houses, a lot of uh, yachts and planes and fancy cars, but one, one they don't have is abundant life, full and purposeful life. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus tells us, he alludes to us that look, the way that we are fulfilled in life is understanding what our purpose is, and Adam didn't understand that. That's why he lost his job. That's why he was kicked out of the garden, because he didn't fully recognize and respect that his purpose was to, to dress and to keep, not to take from the master's possessions. God gave him everything, but essentially what God said to him is, this is mine, don't touch that. You can have all the rest of this stuff, just don't touch this one, this one's mine. But our purpose is what gives us a sense of fulfillment. Understanding what our purpose is and pursuing that purpose, but everything in us, that is what brings us sustained satisfaction. That's what brings us a sense of, of having a meaningful life. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said unto them, 
my meat, which means that which I use to sustain me, that which I use to propel me, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Folks, you want happiness? You want a sustained sense of gratification? You want the real life? You want to know what the real meat is? You want to experience the real zest of life? Find out what God's purpose is for you and do that work and finish that work. And do not allow the enemy to entice you into these side roads that lead to what? Entanglement, right? Confusion, right? Losing more than you get. Amen? Now, friends, I hope that something that I said today uh, have touched you in some way, shape, or form. If it, if it did, and, and as you listened to me, you, you were thinking, I need to make a change in my life. I need to get out of these entanglements. I need to stop losing. I'm in a position, I'm in a posture of losing. I've lost so much. I've made bad decisions. Here's the good news. God is a forgiving God. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And let's talk about what confession actually means. It doesn't mean to come up with a formulaic statement, uh, repeat after me. It means to come into agreement with God. See, what happened with Adam and Eve at the beginning is that they got out of agreement with God. And more problematically, they got into agreement with Satan. And that's never going to work. That's always going to lead to death and destruction and harm and struggle and anxiety and all of the things that we talked about that they gained along the way. So if you're at that point where you know that a change needs to be made, listen, there's no uh, magic words. There's no special place that you have to be at. You just need to come to a place in your heart and your mind and in your thoughts right now. And God will accept your genuine repentance, your genuine statement that you want to change, and a change can begin right now. I'm going to pray, but I want you, as, as I pray, if that's you, uh, to pray with me. Before I pray, I want to tell you that uh, every Tuesday at 7 o'clock p.m., we have what is called Shabbat prayer. Shabbat prayer is a prayer meeting at because of the current circumstances, we're doing that via um, something like Zoom. It's called Meet, but you can call in, you can dial in, and you can uh, state what your prayer request is. And we pray. We don't play around. We pray. We believe that the, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. That's what we believe, and so we regularly approach the throne of grace. And then on Thursday, we have systematic Bible teaching, which is done by Pastor Fillmore. Um, I invite you to tune in. That is also at 7 o'clock p.m. Don't miss it. Uh, whatever you need is available to you today in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you because you love us. We thank you because what you want us to see is that you have faithfully provided everything that we have need of and more. And what we should also see is that Satan is a thief and a robber because he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he did all of that. He did all of that to Adam and Eve. And because we are 
the descendants, that we are the, literally the children of Adam and Eve, he continues to try to steal and to kill and to destroy us. Lord, enlighten us so that we can see uh, where the enemy has laid traps and let us walk in the more excellent path, the path that leads to life. And we thank you for your word today, Father, for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I pray that you were strengthened by the word. If this message touched you in any way, please let us know by reaching out to us online on social media. Also, please share this podcast and help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to our website, accalltofreedom.com, or go through Catch app. We are Freedom FMC. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you until we meet again. Amen. Amen.